Welcome to season two of Overcoming Working Mum Burnout. I'm your host, Dr. Jacqueline Kerr, mum, burnout survivor, and behavior change scientist. I interview international burnout experts, HR and DEI leaders, and lifestyle coaches to find out how we can create individual, organizational, and cultural change to prevent burnout. When mums thrive, the world benefits. Each week when I interview a guest, I ask about specific solutions they recommend for overcoming working mum burnout. And while having ideas for what you can do is a start, as a behavior change scientist, I know how hard it can be to make a change and develop a new habit that lasts long enough for it then to become automatic. That's why I'm doing a mini episode for each guest on their suggested behavior change. If you're in an active state of burnout, managing your stress is important, and sometimes that means taking a total break, especially from any additional goals. Once you're rested, if you are seeking to take an active role in your recovery or prevention of burnout, then having a behavior change plan will help you make the most of your efforts and be more impactful. Last week, I learned about understanding communities to prevent burnout with researcher and community advocate, Dr. Melissa Witt-Glover. As a reminder, here's a few key takeaways from Melissa's episode. So I always knew in all my careers, I wanted to do something to make a difference in people's lives to help people. I want to do something like these interventions people ask me what my career and how did I get here and they think I had a plan. I didn't even I didn't even know what exercise science was. When I got my doctorate in epidemiology, I didn't even know what epidemiology was. And so it was really living the academic life, doing the things that you're supposed to do to try to get promoted and tenured, working on a number of committees, trying to manage two babies who were 13 months apart, driving back and forth, writing, writing grants, doing presentations, and just really started to feel like I was dragging because I was doing community-based work. And that meant my work happened during the day with the institution. Mm -hmm. But if I really wanted to be engaged with the community, I also had to do things in the evenings when the people I was interested in working with were off. And I just started getting really burned out and stressed out at trying to do it all. And I Mm -hmm. knew that it was time to make a change when I got to the point where I was in tears every day on the way to work. And I felt like I was never seeing my children. I only used my house to keep my clothes. And I just, I worked and worked and it just didn't seem like I was getting anywhere and I was miserable. I have to be diligent because I realized that if I don't protect my space, no one else will. And so I have started doing things like I create appointments on my calendar that really aren't appointments, but it just allows me space and freedom to be able to just take a mental break. You have to set those boundaries for yourself because otherwise people will encroach and you have to be able to keep those meetings with yourself. Just if you were meeting with somebody else, you wouldn't let something else encroach on it. The meetings with yourself are just as important. We started a tradition a couple of years ago from Memorial Day until Labor Day. We don't work on Fridays. I make it a point to not schedule anything for my team or myself on Fridays. And so we have three-day weekends in the summer. We focus a lot on structures, but we don't focus on the policies and the systems and the environments and the people that could make those physical structures good or bad. 
and I'm realizing and doing more of this work on policy systems and environments that so many of us don't even understand how policies are put into place, what how policies impact people and who makes policy. And so I think it starts with putting policies in place, people understanding those policies, but then it's also accountability. Because if you have a policy in place and no one's held accountable for following it, then it doesn't matter. And we've got to understand who our policymakers are because we elect people who represent us in our different communities and we don't hold them accountable. And we've got to do that. And if those people who are elected, who make the policies are not making the policies that are in our favor, then we've got to find new policymakers. And I often think that particularly communities that have been historically underrepresented, I don't know that we often recognize the power that we have to um, collectively make change. I think people treat so many things like pie. If I give you something, then it's less for me. And we often forget that we rise together and we fall together. We are all tied together and we just don't recognize that enough. There's this intersectionality between race and gender in terms of safety and physical activity. And we focus on things like sidewalks and having safe spaces. But how do we work on the cultural aspects of that? Like women maybe don't feel as safe going out and exercising in particular spaces, either because they are male dominated or because they may not be safe. And then Black people may not feel comfortable going out and exercising in particular spaces because of over-policing. How can we do a better job of making sure that everyone has safe spaces to exercise? How can we, to get more detailed, how can we all be allies and advocating for that so we know what some of the issues are related to safety and over-policing, what kinds of behaviors do we all need to be engaging in to make sure that everybody has those same rights to be able to go to choose to exercise. So we obviously can't force people to engage in health-related behaviors, but what do we need to do to ensure that policy systems and environments change so that everybody has the opportunity to make that choice? The plan here will be focusing on advocating for safe spaces for physical activity. Physical activity is important for our health in so many ways, but particularly for stress management related to burnout. And getting into the community for physical activity has benefits for our mental health, but also our community health, because more active places are also safer places. There are several steps to creating a plan that can help set you up for success based on behavior change science. I provide a sample plan to get you started. You can adapt this or create your own. But filling in each step by hand or on the computer will bring you closer to knowing what you want to do and what it will take to get you there. You can print out the whole plan or just focus on the reminders that you set up as part of the plan itself. You can download the plan from the episode website, drjacquelinecurr.com podcasts, or find it on my LinkedIn post. To start, it's important to set a goal that feels motivating, related to a state that you want to achieve that gives you an identity you want for yourself. So the first response to submit is what I want to be. So here's the response for this week. What I want to be. 
I want to be able to advocate for safe spaces for physical activity in my community so that I can exercise outdoors safely to support my mental health, but also so that there are safe spaces for my children to play outdoors. Learning to be an advocate may also help me be part of other efforts to improve my community, school or workspaces in a way that fulfills me rather than drains me. Being specific in each step helps. The next step gets into the details, the what. This is the action you want to take. Here's the response for this week. What? The first step is learning what makes a good advocate. Here's some of the things. Finding out how decisions about this issue are made. Understanding both community and decision-maker perspectives to create a win-win. Presenting clear calls to action through facts and community voice stories. Power in numbers. Engaging partners with leadership experience and an action plan with follow-up steps. So the what is really learning about what it takes to be a good advocate. The next few steps are key to the implementation plan. When you complete these details, it helps you create a plan that gives you enough detail and ideas to get you started. The when, where, with whom, for how long and how often helps you create the specifics of the goal. These details act as reminders. When a certain time comes around, you remember to do the new activity you're trying. You can also choose times and places that are anchored to something you do daily, like having a coffee. Then the act of drinking coffee reminds you to do the new behavior. Having a small goal is important, so these steps also help you keep it realistic. So here are the responses for this week. When. Putting aside time to learn about the issue you want to actively support will be important. To attend various meetings to understand the playing field before you engage so that your efforts have the most impact. Joining an existing group already advocating can be one approach. But don't forget, your unique perspective may unlock solutions or strategies that have been overlooked. Where? There are free online courses on advocacy that might be a good place to start. For example, for example, courses.philanthropyu.org. Finding local groups who advocate on specific policies, for example, Safe Streets or Vision Zero. And interestingly, the AARP does a lot of advocacy around livable communities. In a workplace, it might be the employee resource group who are doing advocacy work. With whom? This is one of the keys to successful advocacy. You have to uncover who is the decision maker in practice, who actions changes on a daily basis. These people often have more influence than someone with a title. Another key is being part of a group and having clear roles that match your strengths. Decision makers do respond to noise, but also carefully crafted solutions that match their goals. For how long each time? Probably two to three hours at a time. Advocacy work is complex, involving listening to multiple perspectives, 
which can take time. The important part of every effort is to have a clear action plan at the end. A lot of efforts are wasted with discussion without action. Each time you meet or spend time researching an issue, you need to come up with a clear plan, timeline, and follow-up actions. How often per week? Working on an advocacy goal once a week or once a month might be enough. You want to be talking about the issue often enough that it stays top of mind, but not so often that people start to block you out. You also have to save your energy for the long game. For how many weeks? Persistence and having long-term goals is a key to advocacy. Decision-making cycles can be very slow and building a case can take a long time. Sometimes an advocacy window suddenly opens and being ready with your facts and stories and your specific ask is important so you can grab that opportunity when it comes. So many of the details we just completed can be entered into a schedule or planner so that you have regular reminders of meetings, for example. While you're developing a new habit, frequent reminders keep the activity top of mind. So we need to think through other ways of setting up easy reminders. Here's the response for this week. Reminder. Often advocacy is not someone's primary job or your important issue is not a decision maker's primary concern. Frequent but gentle reminders on specific asks are key but also branded materials like coffee cups, water bottles, magnets, helps keep your issue in front of the right people. By this stage of the plan, you'll be starting to think about what is going to get in the way of you actioning this plan. A lot of resistance can arise. Try to put it all down so you can come up with ways to overcome these barriers. For now, we won't try to address them. We'll keep setting up parts of the plan that will give you confidence you can master this new activity, and we'll address the barriers later. Here's the response for this week. Anticipated barriers. In situations with opposing views, there can be conflict. Not everyone will agree. In advocacy work, there can be a lot of no's and apparent dead ends. Sometimes people like to complain, but aren't willing to do anything or have faced so much resistance that they're burned out. Coming in as a savior without empowering the community to use their strengths can also be a problem. An important part of a successful goal is accountability. How will you keep yourself on track? We'll talk about tracking tools next, but having an accountability partner is a great way to get support for your goal. But here's the response for this week. Accountability. Accountability is important at so many levels in advocacy work. Are policies enforced? Are decision makers held accountable? Do advocates follow through with promised actions? The book, What Works? Equality by Design, has some suggestions based on research. Some of these might be surprisingly simple, but apparently they're very effective. So, for example, signing your name at the start of a document, helps you be more responsible. Letting people know you will be following up keeps people more accountable. 
And when you explain that you're in the minority not doing the behavior, this motivates people to start doing the behavior. Tracking is important to see if you're meeting your goal, to help you gain a sense of achievement and to help you adapt your goal as time goes on. There are lots of easy ways to keep track and doing this also prompts you to keep doing the activity. It also serves as a reminder. So here's the response for this week. Tracking. There can be lots of documents that track policy decisions, but they often buried. Having data to hand, even if it's crude, is important for credibility and for your own guidance. Percentages of complete actions, interviews with those effective, including evaluation to ensure impact, reminders of deadlines, promises, etc. All these are important. And particularly visualizing progress towards long-term goals is important. So something like showing your progress on a thermometer will keep your community members engaged. Not everyone needs a reward for achieving their goal, but sometimes celebrating and acknowledging your achievements does help keep you motivated. If you do not need a specific reward, having a reminder of why this goal is important will help reinforce your ongoing efforts. Here's the response for this week. Reinforcement or reward. Celebrating group successes is very important to maintain momentum and engagement. A celebration board in a prominent place in your community or as newsletter can help with photos and stories. It's important to continue to show progress, even if slow, and to show that efforts are impacting your community. Sometimes community members are impacted even before a change is made because they feel supported when they know somebody is advocating for a cause they care about. Now let's plan to overcome some of those barriers. Hopefully you have enough ideas about positive things you can do to support your goal that these barriers seem less influential. But take each one and come up with a counter plan. While new barriers can arise at any time, realizing there are things you can do to counter them helps give you confidence to get started and resilience to keep going. So here's the response for this week. Overcoming barriers. Learning conflict resolution skills is helpful for any situation. Realizing that rejection is just getting you closer to the right path is helpful for resilience. As well as curiosity. What else would work then? Also see the TED talk on 100 days of rejection. Having clear plans matched to people's strengths can help with further engagement, as well as directly asking, what are you willing to do for this course? Finding new advocates with energy will help, but ensure they are also equipped with skills and knowledge to tell their story. Finally, as your plan is outlined, you're likely to need help with some parts of it. We've already thought about an accountability partner and some goals will involve other people. Here you're thinking about the practical help you might need so you can focus on your goal when you have planned to work on it. Here's a response for this week. Getting support. Getting support from your family for you to spend time on this advocacy issue is important. Making it a family project can help or explaining why it is important to you and your family. 
Working with organizations that value your time and effort and pay for it is ideal, although not common. To build a group, create team building activities and ask each person to bring one new friend each time. I know such a detailed plan may feel like a lot, but as a busy working mom, you probably know if it doesn't get scheduled, it won't just happen on its own. Even spending time thinking about the plan will have solidified your resolve to work on it, and you're more likely to succeed. To be honest, when Militia suggested the goal of advocating for safe spaces for physical activity, my heart sank a bit. I know how hard advocacy work is, and I wasn't sure I could write a brief guide to it, let alone work on it more as a behavioural goal for myself. Advocacy can be exhausting, and when you're burned out, you don't necessarily have the energy for it, nor should you, as the victim of unfair systems, be the person doing the work to change them. But on the other hand, often part of burnout is feeling unfulfilled. And books like Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle by the Nagoski Sisters suggests finding a group of people to work on a common goal as a way to help process stress and prevent burnout through meaningful group purpose. The main challenge in being an advocate is not to take it all on yourself. It needs to be a community effort, not just so you can protect your energy, but so that the community's needs are best represented. Lots of advocates burn out, so giving yourself permission to take a break from it is important. But I wanted to share this mini guide to advocacy, responding to malicious challenge, because if we're going to create a world where burnout is not part of the system, is not baked into the unequal reward for work for women, then we are going to need more allies and advocates. This advocacy guide just scratches the surface and is from my experience of successful community advocacy to empower older adults to make their streets and parks safer. Others may have a different formula that also works. Good luck with your goal. I hope you liked this mini episode as a follow-up to the guest episode. Please leave any feedback on my website, drjacquelinecurr.com. And please remember, burnout can be related to serious health problems. If you're experiencing physical or mental health symptoms, please contact a provider or call the appropriate helpline. This podcast does not replace medical advice. Take care. Control, you're a fighter. Push the limits and see it. You're already there. Told you we going higher. Ain't no stopping us. We're going in for the win. And we're gonna celebrate. Then we're gonna do it all over again. And we're gonna rock this place. Cause this is our day. We're gonna 